die. I hit him. I just die. I, 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 I don't cap. I, I don't care. Are you recording, Phil? I'm recording. I don't care. Just, yeah. I clap, but you don't even care. I don't even care. We're just done. <laughs> We're just done. Just done. Just done. I wish like Tommy Wiseau or just James Franco decided to play Tommy Wiseau as just like a Valley Girl the entire time <laughs> during that film. Just, just done. Just we done. just make the movie. He should just, just done. done. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know why that like that line is just so fucking funny to me. <laughs> Think about it like way too much. Just I don't care, I'll just do it. I don't care. I'll do it. Amount of times I've like added that into this podcast as well. Much to the chagrin of all the listeners out there who don't want to hear that again. But hey. Yeah, if they don't want to hear it, they'll let us know. It's called a running cool. gag, guys. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with this thing called comedy. But there's yeah. uh, such things as running gags and uh, callbacks. <laughs> That's what we call a callback in the biz. It's the biz. It's the only biz. No. <laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore. Welcome to the Bob Charles Cinecast. Presented by the Bob Charles <laughs> Not bad. That's like 10 seconds. <sighs> that wasn't even good. I mean, come on. I could do it better. I just like lost enthusiasm like halfway through it so it was just like really bad so i'll try it one more time welcome to the bot charles Cinecast. <laughs> presented by the prince trust <laughs> <laughs> i could have gone longer but i just felt like that was a bit a bit too much wow uh, this is your host john foster yeah. and i've got my lungs about me today uh, which is a good sign because I may wow. not have the the Rona. So um, anyway, hey, yeah. uh, I'm here today with the boy, the Bat Boy, <laughs> the Bat, bat boy. boy. You're the Bat Boy this week. <laughs> what the fuck, Phil? Can I be like the Water Boy, and if like someone gets injured, I just I take over and I do like a really great job, and everybody carries me on their shoulders at the end. Can it be like that? Okay, I mean, sure. Rudy? Okay, cool. Yeah, Rudy. All right. I'm doing. I'm. I'm doing another movie. Doing a completely different movie. Just different movie. Uh, hey, what's up? <laughs> that was great. Like watching you do that, I almost choked. <laughs> Just like, oh my god! It's like that bit in the master where he can't breathe in between questions, and you yeah. watch it and you hold your breath with him. It's like, <laughs> like really tense experience. Well, I hope. It- Gave everyone that was listening at home, I don't know, some sort of experience. That's all I can hope for with every episode of this podcast that they haven't experienced. That it, it, That's what every podcast, I just hope that at the end, it's a podcast. <laughs> we haven't even like said <laughs> much of anything yet to catch up before. Because normally we re- before we record, we like talk for a bit. No, <laughs> like, let's just skip that bit. But we were like... I don't even remember what we were doing at the very beginning that I decided, dirt. okay, we're recording now. <laughs> we were just saying dirt for like 10 minutes. Dirt, and then you're yeah. like, okay, I'm going to record. I'm just going to do Don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on anymore. I've lost the yeah. plot of this episode. I forgot we were like, we went straight into Philly. Yeah. It's probably pretty good. Cause I'm going to like, try not to go down dark avenues in this episode today. Uh, I don't believe you. 
you know, don't yeah, you. you don't believe me. <laughs> I don't have anything written down for that. So, you know, hopefully I'll just, you know, forget about it, but you know, we'll Perfect see what ball. happens. Um, but Hey, you know, what can you not forget about the fact that the Prince Charles cinema is opening in October? Oh my October. God. We, like we said last week, we got like 2001, a space odyssey. My boy, we got the thing coming. Ooh, we got host scary, spooky, ookies. We got some good stuff coming up. <laughs> Last week, we've announced five more new films. What have we had? We had My Neighbor Totoro. We've had Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Lost in yeah. Translation, uh, La Haine, La Haine. and yeah. The Green Ray. Five new films added to that program. My word. It's going to be some good stuff coming up. Like we said last week, you can go to PrinceCharlesCinema.com, get your tickets to any of these things. If you can't, you know, physically, mentally, whatever it is, but it's pulling you back because there's still crazy virus going on, you can still support the cinema, keep independent cinema alive by going to PCC Web Store, pick up a new t-shirt. We got t-shirt. Get your t-shirt. Whether you believe it or not, that cold weather will come back. And you you can put some socks on. We got Prince Charles Cinema socks. We got all exactly. sorts of good stuff. It's gonna be cocoa season soon. There's mugs on <laughs> <laughs> there's mugs on that web store. The mugs are cool. I want one. And also it's still hot outside and uh you need to protect your beautiful scalp. You can get a baseball cap with Prince Charles Cinema written on it. It's cool stuff. Yeah. We're ready to go. We're good. I should have had it for this episode. Baseball cap, yeah, man. All right, well, you're rocking the jersey. Baseball jersey, you know. Atlanta Braves, the Atlanta Braves. You know, one of the last stalwarts of slightly a culture cultural appropriation of a sports team, but you know, it's not as bad as the Redskins. Yeah, the team formerly known as the Redskins. You mean they are the yeah Washington football. <laughs> Team, team. <laughs> it's like do you ever like you know on um when we were when we were younger you know we had the football big the two big football games video yeah. games were fifa and pro evolution soccer and fifa had the official license to the fa team mm-hmm. but they had all the real names but pro evo didn't so everything was like the manchester football club <laughs> everything was like slightly off and the kit would you know, not quite there, and everybody's name was slightly wrong. Like Fire Pro. Yeah, you know? yeah. Fire Pro has like basically it was just all Japan wrestling, but then they would have all the other leagues from around the world, including others in Japan. But they would just have people that looked like them, but it wasn't. They had really like Hulk them. Hogan. They'd be like <laughs> Mister America or something. Mister Hot Dog Man. <laughs> yeah, Hot Dog. <laughs> hot Doggin. Grandstanding. Fucking racist asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Hulk Hogan. Uh, <laughs> Just put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Let's go into something that we brought back last week, Phil. I'm going to get past my uh, feelings of you know racist pink hot dog men, and we're going to get to uplifting <laughs> feelings because, hey, 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 it's user feedback. Hey, 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 user feedback. Listen to feedback so last week of course because you know when we do those things you know where you're just like you know doing episodes where you talk about real stuff and then you're like hey you know come say something to us 
a lot of times people do actually respond to that. So it was pretty nice. We had a few things from people, which were really sweet. We actually had an email. It's been really? a long time since an email came in. Uh, so I'm yeah, so excited. an email from a, a new listener as well. And that's even more exciting because it's someone brand new who's decided to get down with our craziness. I don't really understand why any anybody would join us for this, but you know, it's 2020, man, and it's a crazy world. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, "Yo, short time listener, first time feedbacker here. I don't have Twitter, so good. Don't get Twitter. It's good. crazy. Yeah. So bringing it back with the email. See, look, Phil. You know, people listened to us last week, and we were talking about email and stuff, and." They they heard and they they were like oh yeah I do have an email account. Um, <laughs> started listening to the podcast in June on the post lockdown drive from Scotland back to London and had both Star Wars mamajamas to keep me company. He was concerned about the spelling because um, he spelled it mamajambas, but uh, we'll allow it's, it. It's jamas, but we'll allow it. And uh, he he had those two to keep him company, and he's been hooked since. Thanks to the podcast, I've li- livened up the weekly family call with random Jaws and Truman Show facts, and also finally watched Hook for the first time at the age of 31. Damn, dude. We're changing lives. I-, I wish I could go back and watch Hook again for the first yeah, time. Yeah, for the first time. Me too. Or Jaws for the first time. My word. Holy shit. But before I finish this email, I've been seeing a lot of people, and I, I you know, I just, I just have been too lazy on Twitter to even, you know, tried to I, I felt like i need to be back. like yeah i need like three wines in me before i can say anything funny on twitter i think but uh <laughs> i <laughs> i uh been seeing people saying stuff about like oh what film would you like to watch again for the first time for me though i always think about how awesome films are that you like like a lot that you're just kind of like dude i can watch that like for the hundredth time and it always makes me feel fucking awesome when i'm watching it and that's something like jaws mm. actually you know um but yeah, I mean, there's so many films I've seen for the first time, and I'm just like, I don't ever want to see that again. I wish I'd never seen it that first time. <laughs> so I'll keep watching them. I'll, I'll go back and watch the old stuff. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. <laughs> Very much into the sprinkled wrestling references. Keep them coming. Well, you don't have to worry about that because we've already, we already done did it. Twenty of them already. Yeah. Uh, would also be very much into Star Wars prequel Mamma Jamma trilogy. I mean, someone off, John. <laughs> Tumbleweed. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, starting a new job on Monday. Congrats. And when I get my first paycheck, I'll be getting myself a lifetime membership at the BCC to help out. Awesome. Thanks. Oh, man. man. Keep up the good work and the vibes, brothers. It's been real help during these times. Too sweet, Johnny. Too sweet? Too sweet. P.S. Even though he didn't get a mention this week, I was driving on the road with Palmer in the title while listening to this week's podcast, The Street Continues. Well, <laughs> I disagree with that statement, Johnny. I appreciate the email, but I particularly put in a whole <laughs> intro to yeah. that episode where he, he made an appearance. I met him in person. He yeah. was there in the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> that was Brian De Palma. He yeah. was down there. 
which brings me to Malcolm on Twitter saying, after 62 episodes, the guys raised the bar with 63 and open with an exclusive audio outtake from Return of the Jedi, where we finally get to know what happens inside the Sarlacc pit. It was weird. It was weird. <laughs> Not an outtake, but, you know, mm. bonus content. <laughs> <laughs> But it could have been a deleted scene from the movie. Yeah, it could have. Like, it, was, yeah. it was. It was. It was. It was. It was an. Yeah, he's right. It was an audio outtake. I mean, that really. Ha- I was in that film, even though I wasn't born for another five <laughs> years. <laughs> but I was down there, there talking to Brian De Palma. And you guys want to know? I didn't say this. You know, last week Brian was talking about like, oh, how you know he he was down there because Jabba put him down there. Because it turns out Jabba's actually Brian De Palma's father. I mean, it's crazy yeah, it was stuff weird. you learn at the Sarlacc pit. Mm. But what a twist. Turned, That's what the sequel should have been about. Yeah, well, it turned out that why he was really down there was because George Lucas put him down there. And he tried to blame it on, you know, his dad, Jabba the Hutt. But, I mean, really, that was all a ruse just because George Lucas told him, if you know, if by any means you tell anyone that I did it, then I'm going to make sure that you never work in this town ever again. And he hasn't. And it's crazy. And I know it's conspiracy stuff here. And we're probably going to get into a lot of conspiracies in this episode. <laughs> no, we're not. I'm not going to allow it. But anyway, Brian De Palma told me George Lucas put him down there because he made fun of the first Star Wars movie when he saw it. And then he also wrote the opening crawl thing for George Lucas. And Brian De Palma did that and made the movie better. And George Lucas was like, I can't have someone doing that and making something better. So he put him down in the pit. <laughs> this is fucking stupid. No, Jesus. please. Keep going. Uh, but yeah, no, thanks. Uh, thanks, Malcolm. <laughs> Uh, yeah thanks i hope we did raise the bar well done oh my god well done well done well done this boy here since we're keeping it real i'd just like to say that your podcast has been one of the constant bright spots during this whole lockdown and i'm sure i'm not alone when i say thank you now about that ewoks episode i retorted to this i was just like well there is a uh there is a thing on patreon you can make yourself a good bagel boss just for one month, like I said last week on the podcast. And I did it again. I was like, just do it one month and uh, we'll give you those episodes. And he just went and did it. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now we're stuck. Now we fucking have well, to do we it. We haven't really talked about this yet, Phil. Like, we have to no, do it. On or off the air. Yeah, we have to. And I really don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> just so he knows. Like I'm, you know, going to be harboring a grudge as I'm doing it. <laughs> zero. Yeah, I have zero, zero interest, interest in doing in talking this. Talking about caravan of courage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, an Ewok Anyway, that only I feel like I got we got it out, but you know, there's so much more that like I'm not even ready for. I've never seen them. I've never seen them either. So maybe I am slightly curious. <laughs> there are two of them in the most intimidating thing. <laughs> It's a double bill. Yeah. So we're going to do these and they're going to be yeah. probably really bad. And, but, which but will make for good episodes. You, 
you blame that on Will because Will asked for it and he paid for it. And that's what happens. But hey, did you know you can go to patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast because this episode's weird enough. Uh, I've got to do weird segues. I dig it. Keep it going. You can back us for anything you want to back us, but $5 or more, you get bonus episodes. And with that, that means the Caravan of Courage and the Ewoks, the Battle of Endor, double bill spectacular. It's coming eventually in the next month or so. We'll see what happens because we got other things that we're doing on that as well. But it'll come to Patreon first. You'll get like a early release and listen to it there. Eventually, we will put it out onto the main timeline. We'll see when. I'm not really sure when I'll do that. But, you know, hey, Patreon, you get to listen to it early. And then also on Patreon, we're doing all those Fast and the Furious films. All of them. We're going to do it. Myself and Ariane. Even the fifth one. And the fourth one. (laughs) Even uh, Tokyo Drift, which we've already done. It's up there. You can listen to it. Are you doing Hobbiton Shaw? Does that count? Oh, yeah. Are you doing it? Okay. We're doing everything. A nine We're even doing some films that aren't technically part of the franchise but they kind of technically exist in the universe so if you want to find out more about that go to patreon.com forward slash the pcc podcast a lot of good stuff up there already a lot more good stuff coming because we're not just doing fast and furious films there's other stuff coming there's a new thing that's going to drop maybe monday or tuesday this coming up week and we'll probably have something at the end of the month as well but hey that's patreon.com forward slash the pcc podcast Keep us uh, entertained or help us keep you entertained. I don't know. I don't even entertain know. Entertain us. I don't know what's going Let me on anymore. Entertain you. I feel like I've, I think last week, you know, just talking about stupid stuff and like just sort of feeling or whatever. Yeah. It's all those <laughs> stupid feelings and it uh, made me not like, not, not care, but like care less. I'm like start, trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to... I'm just uh, not feeling it today, you know? Yeah, no, I'm trying to, uh, you know, not feel bad anymore. So I think, like, this episode, I don't even know what's going on. I feel like I've drank a lot, but I haven't drank anything in, like, you know, 24 hours, maybe. (laughs) You know, know, I had some wine last night, but, you know, I'm I'm completely sober now. I'm drinking a coffee. And uh, I don't know why I started this episode with this much, like, you know, juice. I'm going to see yeah. what happens by the time the end of it. But, Phil, what are we talking about today on the podcast? I don't know. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> baseball? We're doing a baseball movie? We're talking about baseball. That's a good song. It's, it's a league of their own. Why are we talking about a league of their own? Because baseball just came back. Baseball's back, baby. I've been pretty stoked about, you know baseball coming back but then it's like i'm also very aware that it's psychotic that baseball's back right now <laughs> and, and the team i follow they've uh the the atlanta braves they've been uh relatively decent up until like the last couple of weeks and their entire pitching staff completely fell apart and none of them have uh covid19 yet that i know of but uh yeah most of the people are just completely hurt bad Whatever, it's been yeah. not very fun to stay up at like three in the morning watching a game over in America, have everything just pulled out from under you and just feel very sad that a team you like isn't playing well. <laughs> yeah. But now I know how all of my Arsenal friends feel. 
Uh, <laughs> Every day of their lives. Oh, it's that. a league of their own. Let's get into it. I'd like to lead you all in a little prayer. Dear Lord, may our feet be swift. May our bats be mighty. May our balls be plentiful. And Lord, I just like to thank you for that waitress in South Bend. You know who she is. She kept calling your name. This summer, Tom Hanks is managing the impossible. The Rockford Peaches. Oh, Peaches! Who says girls can't play baseball? Who says women can't throw? Slide! Slide! Thank you! Give them a league of their own to play. Then stand back and get out of their way. That sounded good. Still missing the cutoff man. Now that, that, that's something that I would like you to work on before next season. Columbia Pictures would like to take you out to the ball game for an all-star comedy. They'll pay you $75 a week. We only make 30 at the dairy. Well, then, this would be more, wouldn't it? The manager, Tom Hanks. Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. The catcher, Gina Davis. Well, you say we slip in the back seat and you make a man out of me. We say I smack you around for a while. Can't we do both? The pitcher, Lori Petty. I made it. I'm a peach. <laughs> a Rockford peach. The scout, John Lovitz. Are you coming? See how worse it is. The train moves, not the station. And batting cleanup, Madonna. What if my uniform bursts open and, oops, my bosoms come flying out? You think there were men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? A league of their own. All right. God knows we have a game. It's not like any of this helps, believe me. Directed by Penny Marshall. With the entry of the United States into World War II, seeing many of the male stars of the Major League Baseball signing up to join the war effort, candy manufacturer, baseball team owner, Walter Harvey, films the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League to keep the America's pastime alive. After being scouted playing softball for their Oregon Dairy, sisters Dottie and Kit join the league alongside 62 other women from around the United States and Canada. As the women fight to get recognition for the league as the war is raging overseas, Dottie and Kit's sibling rivalry rages on and off the field. <clears throat> Why did we pick A League of Their Own? Because it's fucking awesome. It's a great movie. Great movie. I don't really know why we picked it. I can't really remember what our like idea was for picking this film. I think we were just kind of like, let's talk about baseball movie. This one I feel like is one of the best ones. Uh, it's probably like, I don't know, maybe top two of the greatest baseball films ever made. Number one being Field of Dream? Uh, I would say number one is probably Bull Durham. All right. Because Bull Durham, it is just like so realistic 
to like what a baseball player like has to go through being in the minor leagues and stuff. And most baseball players just like, dude, that's, that's it that they've hit the nail on the head. Um, but that's the thing. There's a ton of really awesome baseball films, like tons. I think out of all sports films and that whole genre, like baseball's definitely got the best films. I don't know if anyone else agrees with that, but you can let me know at the PCC podcast. (laughs) I would agree. And I don't even like baseball. I've never sat through a whole game. I'd love to go to a game. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. But like baseball movies are some of the best. Yeah. Like sports movies ever. I say my favorite Moneyball. Moneyball. Yeah. Moneyball is really good. Insane. Yeah. Not really about baseball, but like it's just a great story. Like how Rocky's not really about boxing. Yeah. That's the thing. I think that's the thing about baseball films or just sports films in general that are actually really successful. It's the ones that aren't really about the sport that they're, you know, that they're in like i think a lot of times when they are about the sport in general it's like it comes off a bit cheesy or whatever and it, it's a bit silly but like a lot of times when you just have this like overarching story of like like for instance this film is all about the sisters rivalry and like you know sisterhood and just women in general like women suffrage yeah yeah definitely like just dealing with like these people who just think they're lesser than and uh i i don't know this this film's so fucking good. I kind of feel bad that it's just us two talking about it, <laughs> like two guys <laughs> talking about it. But um, yeah. you know, it's like it's a fucking stellar movie. We showed it a couple years ago, or like I don't know, maybe it was even like the beginning of last year of 2019. Like uh, at the cinema, it was soon after Penny Marshall passed away. Bechtel Test Fest did it, and it was such a good time, man. And the people in the audience were totally enjoying it. It was just really cool. Uh, it's the 1992 sports comedy drama from the late great Penny Marshall. Penny Marshall, if you're unfamiliar, made her name performing in sitcoms throughout the 70s and 80s in shows like The Odd Couple and most notably Happy Days as Laverne DeFazio, which led to the spinoff show, which is even bigger, uh, you know, for her character, uh, Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. She is the sister of the actor, director, writer, producer Gary Marshall. And she would move on to directing with her resume boasting Jumping Jack Flash. Big. Big. She did big. Renaissance Man. And Driving in Cars with Boys. So Marshall's notably like she was married to Rob Reiner from 1971 to 1981. With whom she remained friends with after their divorce. It seems like they were pretty nice to each other which is cool. That's always nice to see when people just realize hey this isn't working out but we can still be friends. Uh, she unfortunately passed away at the end of 2018 due to complications from diabetes and heart failure. So this episode, I just want to kind of dedicate to her because I really like, you know, Penny Marshall a lot. Like uh, I used too. to watch reruns mm-hmm. of Laverne and Shirley as a kid. I used to love like Laverne and Shirley and Len- Lenny and Squiggy, you know, like Michael McKeon was one of them. <laughs> like really yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I absolutely loved Big Grown Up and Renaissance Man is like, really underrated in my opinion i know it's not like a great movie but it's really fun (laughs) like uh with danny devito going into like a military school as like an english teacher i think and it's hilarious i'm already in that sounds great (laughs) (laughs) just say danny devito it's like yeah let's do it yep danny devito i'm listening (laughs) yeah here it's my money yeah and uh, you know being a baseball fan since i was a little kid and just loving baseball movies in general like and I absolutely love this one that we're talking about today, A League of Their Own. Mm. So rest in peace, 
Penny Marshall, thanks for creating an awesome film. So Penny Marshall was actually inspired to make this film after viewing the 1987 documentary about All-American Girls Professional Baseball League titled A League of Their Own on Television. So if you're wondering, yes, this was a real baseball league. The league was founded in 1943 as the All-American Girls Softball League, later changed to Baseball League halfway through the first season, and it had a number of name changes throughout its like tenure because people were like worried that, oh, girls softball well it was actually a little bit more like baseball so they started call it baseball but then people were like oh well it's not actually baseball because they're like not they're not really baseball i don't know like so it's constant like people just having issues with this shit which is so fucking annoying but it was founded not by the fictional walter harvey like is in the film of the fictional harvey chocolate bar empire but by chewing gum mogul and Chicago Cubs owner Philip K. Wrigley of Wrigley Gum. Really? Yeah. I almost got some gum as well. <laughs> yeah, you should have, man. You would have been good. Mm. Some big league chew. Literally, yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna pause this episode, run out, and get some <laughs> big yeah. league chew. You think any of those like shitty American candy shops are open right now in central London? That's probably the only probably. place you'll be able to find it. <laughs> <laughs> With many minor league teams disbanded due to the war and many major leagues biggest stars going overseas to fight or mostly play baseball i think a few of them actually did see action but most of them were playing uh wrigley founded the league to keep both interest in baseball alive but also to help keep baseball stadiums filled while minor league teams weren't playing and also in some cases while major league teams were out of town so there was still baseball going on in america Uh, it's sort of legit the way they played it off in the film but we have to say that this film is fictional a fictional account of the league um but they did a really good job uh at making like you know the whole league and uh everything about it just seemed pretty legit and they were pretty true to a lot of things but hey you know it's hollywood baby we got to put in a weird story in the background. Like in the movie, though, the league started with four teams, the Rockford Peaches, the Racing Bells, the Southend Blue Sox, and the Kenosha Comets. Eventually, the league would expand to 10 teams at its peak in 1948, with over 910,000 paid fans that season. In total, 15 different teams played throughout the league's history, with the league disbanding in 1954 after declining interest and with the you know, men's major league baseball beginning to broadcast on television. That was the big reason. And the league was largely forgotten about by baseball historians after the 50s. And it will finally get its recognition in the 80s after the Players Association was formed in 1986. And then the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, officially recognized the league in 1988, with the league being renamed the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. So that's basically kind of the idea of what happens with the film itself. You know, like when you start the movie, Dottie is heading to Cooperstown, New York. So that whole idea yeah. is sort of legit. You know, it didn't really happen that way, I don't think. But it's a nice way to frame the movie. Absolutely. Before we get any further, what's your uh, what's your takes on this film in general? I like it. I mean, it's a recent one for me. Um I literally saw it for the first time like a month ago. Um, we watched uh, it. Oh, really? Hmm. Uh, Dusty showed it to me on July 4th for like Independence Day. We wanted to watch like oh, nice. really 
a classic American movie. Yeah. And we watched that and yeah, I, I really I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. I thought it'd be fun. And you everybody I liked everyone in it, but it's just yeah, it's actually like really potent, well made, really strong movie about like female relationships, sisterhood, mm-hmm. um yeah, like women's suffrage at the time, like coming into their own during the war. I really enjoy stories like that. And I you know, people fighting back against the system. And, you know, you get to do both in this movie because they get, like, called up to be on this professional team. And then they, they're degraded in, you know, with how they're supposed to dress and act and behave. But they're able to, like, do all that and play just as well as anyone has ever seen people play baseball. Yeah. And so it just it works. But, like, I really enjoy the girls, the group, the teachers. I love them and I like just seeing them hang out, like go to bars and stuff. And then the actual baseball games are really thrilling to watch. It's really enjoyable. It's really got sort of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really sort of relevant story now. Yeah, I dig it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, they did a really good job with a lot of the stuff like the uniforms and uh, the charm and beauty school sort of thing that they had to do. Like, cause that like legitimately happens. Uh, I, mm. that, documentary that penny marshall soul actually is available on youtube it's only like 40 minutes i think yeah it's really good it's like uh pretty fun to watch and uh, there was like i mean the women <laughs> were fucking amazing like when you look up some of their stats and stuff like because sometimes i can be a bit of a stat head and i'll look at like you know you know baseball players stats and i'll just like compare and it gets crazier because Moneyball, like that's legit if you like <laughs> trying to get stats like it's unbelievable like i can't even begin to explain how deep how much deeper it gets nowadays like it used to be oh like batting average or like home runs or or hits or yeah. something but now it's like you know war and war is wins above replacement value which is like <laughs> like what <laughs> but yeah some of those women they were like hitting really crazy numbers through the careers and like one of them said that she had stolen like 200 bases in a season it's just like what because like how the major league record might be like 160 or something like that and i mean that's a lot i can't and like imagine. when they steal base they like fuck themselves up like you see that bit where like her leg is like torn apart yeah. and they have to slide so messed steal up. second and shit and but they're in like tiny little <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah it's nuts man like I'll get more into that because that comes up a bit. Like it's pretty wild this film, and it's it made the more research that I did on this, like it really made me like appreciate the film even more. Um, mm. I just I don't know. There's something about baseball I just really love, and I feel like this film, it like it just feels so realistic. Like the games and stuff, it's got its cheesy moments, but I love a good cheesy sure. like film. I'm down. Yeah, for me too, especially for the end. Yeah. yeah, and uh, the story itself is like really good. Like you know the the sister like sibling rivalry i love a good sibling rivalry story anyway and uh yeah i mean i just feel like everything about it just hits hits its beats the the cast is a fucking amazing insane uh, it's unbelievable the cast we'll get to the cast in a second and then yeah you got like uh just i don't know it's funny it's just really funny there's like numerous lines in the film that are some of the best lines ever and one yeah. in particular is like one of the greatest film lines ever. It gets quoted a lot, uh, even by people who 
don't really know baseball that well. So it's pretty <laughs> impressive. But anyway, Penny Marshall had never heard of the league before viewing the aforementioned documentary that I was talking about. And she contacted the film's creators who were Kelly uh, Kendale. I'm not really sure how to pronounce that surname. And Kim Wilson to collaborate with screenwriters Babalu Mandel and Lowell Gantz on producing a screenplay for 20th Century Fox. But Fox eventually passed on the script and Marshall signed with Sony Pictures who were eager to produce the film. So Penny Marshall was adamant that all the actresses, when they got to the point of making the film, they had to really be able to play baseball, at least a little bit. So approximately 2,000 girls converged on the University of Southern California's campus for auditions, but not to read. They had to prove they could be able to play. So even some of the really big stars were there. uh, But if you couldn't play, you couldn't be in the movie. One of the big names that comes up is apparently even Marissa Tomei had filmed an audition tape of her playing baseball, being coached by Joe Pesci on the set of My Cousin Vinny. My Cousin Vinny. Oh, oh, I died to see that. But according to uh, Penny Marshall, she just wasn't a ball player. She didn't blend. (laughs) All right. (laughs) After the film was uh, cast, the, the actresses had to hone their baseball skills as well. So they spent eight hours a day, six days a week for seven and a half months participating in baseball training. Plus, there were some actual surviving members of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League around as consultants and even as extras in the film as well. So particularly the the end of the film, when you had all the women at the Cooperstown, like the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. scenes, and they're yeah. walking around, uh, those with the exception of the actresses who were supposed to play the older versions of the actresses in the film, a lot mm-hmm. of those other women that are just walking around are actual former players, which is really That's cool. That's so cool. Uh, the game that was taking place with the on the field, with the exception of the actresses playing the older players again, but all the other women there were actual former ball players. That's cool. So it's like a legit, yeah. like legend game. Yeah, so really cool. That's so awesome. Really lovely tribute. So who did make the team? Let's find out now. So Gina Davis as Dorothy Dottie, the Queen of Diamonds, Henson. <laughs> this has got to be Apex Gina Davis career. I mean, For like, sure. holy shit. The like string of films that she was doing around this time. She was like in The Fly. Yeah. Earth Girls Are Easy. Beetlejuice. The Accidental Taurus. She won a fucking Oscar for. And Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise. It's like, Jesus. This is yeah, I mean, this movie kind of made me miss Gina Davis because what I I feel like I haven't seen her in ages. I think she's like on TV and stuff. But yeah, like, she did a lot of TV stuff, but movies. Last movie I remember seeing her in was like Stuart Little, but yeah. like in the nineties, she was fucking untouchable, man. Yeah, she did everything like that streak. I can't believe you included Earth Girl Marie. Dude, I sure. love that film. <laughs> fucking love that film. Early Carrie. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely amazing. I mean, Jeff Goldblum. Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans as goofy aliens. Gina Davis having to be the straight person while she's got her like best friend as Julie Brown. It's ah, uh, she's so funny. She got some of the best lines in this movie as well. She's just cutting people into it. Great. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Well, I mean, Gina Davis did appear recently in Glow. Uh, so another wrestler. I haven't seen Glow yet. But yeah, Glow's great. And when she appeared, I was just like, is that Gina? Yeah, cool. Because I love Gina Davis. I think she's Mm -hmm. awesome. She's really good in so many things that she's in. 
So yeah, I do kind of miss her being like more of a thing, but I guess that's what happens in Hollywood, you know, especially, I don't know. I don't really know much about her personally. Like if she like decided to kind of like do less stuff or if it's just Hollywood being Hollywood where they're just like fucking weird and they don't like women who get older and stuff. (laughs) It's like, I don't know. It's pretty shitty. But uh, Jenya Davis actually joined the production a few days before filming. So she was one person who didn't have to go through the tryout, basically legitimate baseball tryout, uh, because she joined soon after as a late replacement for Deborah Winger, who was originally supposed to play Dottie when Winger dropped out after hurting her back. And maybe because another controversial star was added to the film. (laughs) Okay, we'll get to that. Here we go. Brooke Shields was actually also offered the lead female role prior to Deborah Winger, but after the writer strike in 1988, Shields was out of the picture. Don't really know much more about that. But anyway, Gina Davis actually got the part after a quick game of catch with Penny Marshall in Penny Marshall's backyard, which is pretty funny. She was just back there tossing, and Penny Marshall was like, She's like All I right, buy you. Yeah, you can throw yeah. the ball. Cool. <laughs> yeah. You look like a ball player. Yeah. Uh, Davis said that she was extremely up for the role because she likes to play characters that do something and are actually interesting. Like she said, she'd rather play a woman who plays baseball rather than play the girlfriend of a ball player. So I respect that. It's fucking cool. Um, she did admit that she didn't play sports prior to the film as she's always thought like, you know, cause she's pretty tall. She's six feet tall and she thought that she was too tall and too awkward, um, to be able to do any sort of sports and stuff. But when she actually started to play, and mind you, all the girls had been together for a while because uh, she came pretty late, uh, she picked it up really quick and she could hit and she could throw really well. And she was clearly just like naturally gifted as an athlete. And she says that the film actually changed her life in that respect because as seven years after the film's premiere, she competed in archery at the U.S. Olympic trials. She didn't actually make it. Into the she Olympics, got that far. But she was in the trials to be on the national team, which is pretty amazing. It's that crazy, insane. like, the people who get into archery. Like, <laughs> it's nuts. Like, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, like, archery seems really hard. <laughs> like It is. I did it once in high school, and I just couldn't get the hang of it. Like, mm-hmm. it looks so easy when you're watching someone do it, but, like, holding it and keeping it in place, like, without yeah. it flipping, and then aiming for yeah. a target, it's insane. I don't even want to talk about the people who are doing it like as a headstand t- contorted over and using their feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but whatever. It's making me look bad. Yeah. Uh, Dottie's character was inspired by a few different actual players, including Dorothy Dottie Collins and Dorothy Dottie Kamenchek. So two different Dorothy Dotties. But uh, yeah. There's no other way to abbreviate Dorothy. It's got to be Dottie. <laughs> it's got to be Dottie. <laughs> yeah. It's not Dorth. Um, Party on, Dorf. (laughs) (laughs) Another other actresses that were apparently up for the role included Sean Young, Laura Dern. Oh, Blade Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner. Cool. Uh, Laura Dern, Jennifer Jason Lee, Ali Sheedy, Kelly McGillis, Sally Field. Sally Field. I don't know. You don't do them by Sally Sally Field. Uh, Nicole. Could you only feel like Forrest Gump's mother? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nicole Kidman and Demi Moore, 
who Demi Moore was actually also really close to getting the part or was offered the part, but she had to pull out because she got pregnant. And Penny Marshall apparently joked that Bruce Willis literally screwed her out of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love funny. Penny Marshall, man. Yeah. That's funny. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, in the elder Dottie, that was not Gina Davis. It's an actress named Lynn Cartwright. And they dubbed the voiceover with Gina Davis because Lynn Cartwright's voice tell. was completely different. But it's she amazing like how much she looks like her. This is the best old to young I've ever seen recasting yeah. in a movie. Everyone looks exactly the same. You yeah. know exactly who everyone is. Absolutely. It's wild. Like the I don't have all the other older people, but I know a lot of people think, particularly because they use the same voice, like Gina Davis's voice dubbed over. It's like a lot of people think it's just Gina Davis. But it's not. In makeup. It's, and I thought it was for so long. I thought it was just her in makeup. And it still like blows my mind. This is a completely different woman. And it goes down to that woman as an actress anyway, because it's not just that she looks a lot like Gina Davis. She like really studied Gina Davis, like her mannerisms like her. and stuff. Yeah. Like it's amazing. Looks- she looks just like her. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. So Gina Davis, she plays Dottie. Dottie has a little kid sister named Kit Keller. Played by Lori Petty. And again, another sort of apex period for Lori Petty. Jesus Christ. Fresh off of Point Break. She did Free Willy after this film. In the Army now, which is kind of a shit movie, but it's fun. With Pauly Shore and Andy. Yeah, I like that movie. And then uh, she did Tank Girl. Tank Girl, that was a few years after, right? So, Yeah. yeah, she had a fucking line of films there as well. Uh, I really like Lori Petty a lot. She was actually cast with uh, cast because of her resemblance to Winger, Deborah Winger. Uh, and when Gina Davis took over the part of Dottie, they basically had to dye Lori Petty's hair to make it match Gina Davis's hair to make them look more like sisters. It's kind of a shame though, because when I when you look at Deborah Winger, and then I, I I was just thinking about holy shit, she does look a lot like Deborah Winger. But uh, anyway, it's cool. I'm glad Gina Davis got the role because she's brilliant in the film. And Lori Petty plays off her so fucking well. It's really good. They have a great relationship. The reason why is because she was relatively new to acting. So she felt like she could identify with the role. And she felt inferior to Gina Davis, who like had an Oscar and had this great string of films. So yeah, trying to prove she herself. was just like, trying to prove herself. And uh, yeah, Gina Davis was actually pretty good to her. And she took her under her wing and she was actually like a real big sister to her. So that was really nice. Lori Petty was actually, though, one of the best ball players out of the whole cast because she had previously played on a boys team as like the only girl on the team in the team's history as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was also apparently a lot faster than Gina Davis. So that scene where they're <laughs> racing at the beginning of the film, which is great, like, just funny because i know that like I, sw- I think i like this film so much because like i had that with my sister like it was always some fucking rivalry going on <laughs> like yeah everything the competition faster. it's always something you know and like it's p- perfectly played out so that whole scene though when they're running and stuff at the beginning of the film like she actually had to slow her pace quite a bit <laughs> to make it seem like she was slower because even though she was tiny she could just book it like <laughs> i've been booking it other actresses that were considered for the role were Moira Kelly, 
who played the voice of Nala in The Lion King. That's the yeah. big basis of that that I could say because I don't really know her other than that. Also, there's uh, Courtney Cox and Molly Ringwald. Yeah, I could see. I could see him, but I could. See, I could really see Courtney Cox in that role. Yeah. So let's get to the next person. All right, I'm gonna stop. I'm not gonna say anything. We're just gonna get through this episode. It's Tom Hanks as Jimmy ah. Dugan. <laughs> I don't want to go down that role. Uh, I don't, don't. want to do it. I don't want to do it. I mean, you're gonna look. You have to decide now because the, you know, we have a lot to get through with this one. Yeah, it's like you know, you can contain yourself now and let it out later, possibly next week, or offload today or you can split it up it's up to you but it's gonna come out and it's all right yeah i don't know if i'm ready for it i just don't get it i don't understand it's like part of me wants to make a joke that you know hey he's the internet's least favorite person but i just don't get i don't get it that isn't really true (laughs) like he's also like america's dad He's like Jimmy Stewart. He's like, but, and and that's why there's yeah. this group online that but, like are de- destined, de- like determined to destroy him. But did you know that he was arrested in Australiaville? He was arrested, and he has, oh, he's got an ankle monitor on his leg right now, and they're trying to tell you that it's it's not. It's just a crease in his pants or something. <laughs> Sorry, 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 sorry. They're using his blood to cure coronavirus, man. Like, if that's oh. not a, like a good don't talk about I'm blood. Just... Don't talk about blood, <laughs> Phil. What they're doing to the kids in America. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. All right. So Tom Hanks, who had previously worked with Penny Marshall and Big, got yeah. the role by purely asked. He just asked. He asked for it, and she gave it to him. Movie? Because he previously had been in, in a few flops. He had done recently Joe versus the Volcano. He had like a cameo role in Radio Flyer, which mm. I like that film. I didn't realize it was such a flop, but it was. And his last actual credited big role right before this film was Bonfire of the Vanities. <laughs> From that Sarlacc pit dweller, Brian Diploma! This goddamn Brian Diploma man ruined our good boy Tom Hanks' career for. If it wasn't for Penny Marshall. Yeah, Penny Marshall. Brought He'd be him out. down there too. Tom Hanks would be down there groveling <laughs> in the Sarlacc pit, begging. Begging George for Lucas job. to talk to Spielberg to put him in a movie. Please, Mr. Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> we are like under the impression that George Lucas is Jabba the Hutt, right? Like that's yeah, that's yeah. the real conspiracy here. I go to that thing, yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't you know, I made up all that shit about yeah. you know, him being a puppet and crying <laughs> so many people to operate him. It was just you know, it was George Lucas in his, you know, natural he shed his human skin. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom Hanks, he thought he was too young, actually, to be believable as Jimmy Dugan, the washed-up old baseball player. But Penny Marshall said Dugan wasn't supposed to be old. He's just supposed to be injured and washed up and in a drunk. So Hardcore drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Dugan, though, he was based on baseball players Hack Wilson and Jimmy Fox. 
legitimate baseball players, the latter of which who actually managed the Fort Wayne Daisies of the All-American Girls Baseball League in the 1952 season. So there was also some reference to the New York Yankee, the famous legendary New York Yankee, Mickey Mantle, as well, with the whole thing about his knee being uh, basically just cartilage, like no cartilage yeah, there, sure. He's completely injured. Uh, so yeah, that kind of happened to Mickey Mantle, and also Mickey Mantle had a bit of a problem with the booze as well. So there was a lot of a bit of amalgamations of a couple of different baseball players who were all incredibly amazing players who had problem with the booze. And uh, yeah, uh, Tom Hanks gained thirty pounds in preparation for his role. He had a pretty easy time. All he had to do was eat a lot of Dairy Queen. Apparently, he said that he attributed the weight gain to the nearby Dairy Queen. And all Darian filming, Penny Marshall encouraged Tom Hanks to just keep on eating. <laughs> the fucking, the, like, willpower. Like, I see these actors putting on weight for roles and quickly losing it. Like, and it just, I wouldn't do that just because I know I couldn't lose it again. Yeah. Like, I don't trust myself. I wouldn't eat that much dough. It'd be amazing. It'd be so much fun. It'd be way better than losing a bunch of weight. But then, like, then that's just what I would look like. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I'm just decided now. I've never wrote. I'd never wrote in when we were going to do this. But hey, you know, we're talking about food. Let's do it. Snack time. Snack time. Quarantine. Quarantine. It's snack time. Quarantine. Quarantine. Snack time. Lockdown. Tom Hank likes his Dairy Queen. He likes his Dairy Queen. <laughs> so I brought an ice cream. It's all melted. <laughs> wow, that looked good. <laughs> Just, what do you got today, Phil? So I was gonna do Big League Chew. Mm-hmm. That was the first idea. And I went to Sainsbury's and they didn't have any. And they didn't even have any like regular like bubble gum. But then I thought this and I thought it'd be funny. Hopefully you get the reference. What I have is a Yorkie. Oh. Because do you remember the slogan for Yorkie back in the day? Well, I'm not from here, so I don't... Oh, God, that's your excuse for everything. (laughs) But Yorkie, when we were kids, was Yorkie is not for girls. Oh. It was like a boy chocolate bar. Okay. Yorkie would... They don't do that anymore. Yorkie was not for girls, just like baseball was not for girls. Yeah. In and this movie. Yeah. A really roundabout joke. Um, and I've never tried a Yorkie just because I always thought that was so stupid. Yeah. So, this is your first Yorkie. It's my first Yorkie. Wow. I, I've i never had a Yorkie either, I don't think. But now that you're, you've said that, I think I have seen people joke about that on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not from here, so I didn't, I didn't know that. So thanks for telling me something. I learn something every day, you know, Phil. And I learn every time we do something on this podcast. So sometimes that's like me learning three things a day. And that's pretty wild. Wow. And that's not, that's why I can't remember like anything anymore. Cause I'm learning so much <laughs> stuff. Just uh, pushing out old stuff. <laughs> what you got? I've got a Gatorade. Gatorade not only quenches your thirst better. It tastes better too, idiot. You're, you're, you're drinking the wrong water. Gatorade. H2O. Gatorade. H2O. Water sucks. It really, really sucks. Water 
When I played baseball, when I was a little boy, you know, we had to play in the hot weather out there and you had to replenish your electrolytes um, or it has electrolytes. I don't know. It's got electrolytes. If electrolytes even exist. It's the number one sports <laughs> drink in the world and it's cool blue flavored. I'm not sure there's any other flavors here in the UK, but I don't particularly like the blue in that much. I mean, it's okay. But um, We have Lucanade, which is not the same. I prefer the purple drink. And, uh, purple drink. That's what I prefer. But hey, this has got a nice little... Uh, Nice little bottle. Sweetie top. All right, I'm going down the hatch, Mary Poppins. <sighs> wow, that's Good. really sugary. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to be off the walls if I drink. All, <laughs> all right, I'm going to take a bite of this. Go ahead. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is just a, like a regular, like a, just a crunchy, you know, chocolate bar. Like little bits. I'm going to break a bit off. Ooh. Actually, pretty good. It's good. It's really nice, really soft and chewy. Is it delicate enough for for a girl's palate? Um, yeah, it's, it's dainty enough it's, for a girl to have hold. For girls, yeah. what do they think is the the girl chocolate bar? <laughs> like, what are they supposed to eat? Um, like fruit and nut. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get like how a chocolate bar can be for men, but whatever. How you can gender a chocolate bar is just a feat yeah. of modern advertising. <laughs> um, but I think this can be enjoyed by boys or girls. What's your rating? Like baseball. Rating? Like a three and three and a half um, basins out of four. Five? <laughs> four. How many basins are there? Uh, What's the thing in baseball? Technically oh, four. Th- four bases. So four balls. Three, three and a half balls. Three and a half balls. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Why not? I'll, I'll go for two. It's fine. I'm sure it'd be really good if I was like hungover. I'd probably enjoy this, but right now it's kind of like, eh, whatever. Let's get back into it. So Jimmy Dugan, great character. Tom Hanks, just really fun in this film. I kind of really wish. Good. I kind of wish he would do more film roles like this, where he's just playing an asshole. You know, like. Uh, I just, I don't know. He doesn't do that enough, does he? Like, no. I'm trying to think of Tom Hanks' roles where he's just like, he's just kind of like a not very likable guy, but somehow is sort of likable. He's always the good guy. Like, um, remind me of what you were saying about Hook with yeah. Robert Williams. It's so good at the also dead. Yeah. And Tom Hanks is so good at this, like, crouchy old man. Yeah. He's like really, you know, jaded and pasted prime. I can't think of another role. I think that's why I like uh, Cash Me If You Can because he's not, he's not like, he's a good guy, but he's not like the nicest guy. He's a bit of a, like, a bit of a curmudgeon, which is like perfect. I, I, I just like seeing people who are known for being so particularly one way to be something a little bit different. I guess like Turner and Hooch, he's a bit of a curmudgeon in that as well. And that dog turns his life around. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, not even that. He's just like yeah. a, he was a straight man for a long time, you know, like yeah. in Dragnet and shit. Yeah. One of the most memorable moments, though, in this film that occurs when Jimmy Dugan introduces himself by bursting into the locker room in a drunken <gasps> stupor. And he relieves himself in front of the rest of the Peaches while May times him. One of my favorite bits. It's just great. It's such a funny bit. I, I think of that scene every time. 
I have to pee really long. Like anytime I'm peeing and it's just going forever, I just start You're like wow about that scene. <laughs> yeah. I think about that scene or I think about Dumb and Dumber when Jim Carrey's peeing in the bottles and he just can't stop. What are you, a camel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to keep uh, both Hanks and the actresses on their toes, Penny Marshall actually stood by the stall off camera and made noises with a hose and a bucket for maximum comedic effect. And the actual length of Dugan's Epic number one is an impressive 53 seconds. And it was all that's some good peeing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've had that. Yeah. Like a, like a, you know, like the morning pith quite long. Yeah. I think that can reach at least 30 seconds. Yeah, easily. I've had some that just go and go. Especially like on a night after, like after a night of like drinking. Yeah. And you've like just popped out and you wake up and you have to like get rid of everything in one go. <laughs> That's a good two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps like stopping and starting, you know? Yeah. Oh. oh, thank <laughs> God. It's, it's like audible. Like I yeah. can't like hide it. Oh man. Also, obviously we've already sort of mentioned this, but Tom Hanks delivers the famous line. There's no crying in baseball. Are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I kind of agree with him, especially the second time when he held his tongue and he didn't bitch her out. But yeah. like, man, she really needed to hit the cutoff. Man, she was like, I mean, yeah. sorry, this is baseball stuff. But like, man, what was she doing? But anyway, yeah. <laughs> what such are you a doing? funny scene though. Like that whole scene's fucking hilarious. And then even funnier, just that line after when he gets he gets reprimanded by the umpire. And he goes, did anyone ever tell you you look like a penis with that little hat on? (laughs) (laughs) You're out of here. (laughs) It's so good. All right. So here we go. Madonna. All the way. May. Mortabito. Holy shit. Madonna's awesome in this film. (laughs) She is. I thought you were going to go the other way. Oh, she's so good. Maybe people had a problem with her. She's really good in the film. She's committed. I, I know she's been in quite a few films over the years, like you know, Dick De- Tracy. Desperately Seeking Susan, Dick Tracy. Yeah, this film. I'm always stunned when I see this film. And actually, other some other films, like she's great in Desperately Seeking Susan as well. Like, I she don't is. understand how she just didn't have just this massive, massive <laughs> film career. Like, she she's really good. Like, she's so good in this film. Very believable. Yeah. The scene, like, where she has that sort of bit of a breakdown when... There's the uh, fear that the league's going to shut down when the Ira Lowenstein guy comes and say, oh, well, you know, we're going to have to shut the league down because Mr. Harvey doesn't want to, like, continue on. And uh, he's like, I don't want to go back to, you know, that life of busting tables or whatever it was, like, dancing and stuff. And it's just like, it's so believable. Like, she's really fucking good. She's just a good, good, really, really good uh, performer altogether. Uh, Yeah, she gets to sing a little bit in this as well. Yeah. That that song they all do. Madonna, though, she worked pretty hard, you know, you know, is, you know, surprisingly compared to like uh, the what you're just thinking about, like Penny Marshall legitimately made these women like play fucking hard. And yeah. she worked really no fucking hard, players. you know, about as hard as everybody else. But she struggled with some of the technical aspects of the game. Her character May had to be moved. She was originally supposed to be at third base, but they had to move her to the outfield because she just couldn't master ground balls. 
And also, I think pick up a ground ball. Yeah, I think a lot of the people start to realize how fucking hard it was to throw from third to first as well. Like, it's just, yeah. it's a fucking far distance. Madonna, even though she, you know, worked really hard, she wasn't necessarily a team player to say the least, uh, because she had a bit of, she was a bit of a handful, you know, during the shoot. And that's probably a bit of an understatement because in addition to refusing to perform for extras and ignoring requests for uh, autographs, she often complained about coming into the film as a star basically, but being relegated to the background. She, I think just wanted to be the, the lead <laughs> and she wasn't in the spotlight. Wasn't all on her. So no, but that's, <laughs> yeah, according to her co-star and I guess became a friend, Rosie O'Donnell, Madonna brought a, a boombox to set on the first day and she warned anybody if they broke it that they'd have to buy her another one. What? And according to a handwritten letter she wrote to uh, photographer Stephen Meisel, Madonna was miserable. She said, I cannot suffer any more than I have in the past month. Learning how to play baseball with a bunch of girls. Yuck. Spelled Y-U-K. In Chicago, double yuck. <laughs> Ew, double yuck. Ew. <laughs> I have a 10. I'm dirty all day. And I hardly ever wear makeup. <laughs> Jeez. Penny Marshall. This is oh, it's so bad. Penny Marshall. Laverne. Sick. S-I-C. Gina Davis <laughs> is a Barbie doll. <laughs> and... When God decided where beautiful men were going to live in the world, he did not choose Chicago. <laughs> what the fuck is her problem? She's like, <laughs> firstly, it sounds like she's doing like this weird word association game. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, Gina Davis, yuck. Like just whatever. Gina Davis, and Barbie doll. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for the pardon the pun, but she sounds like a super fucking prima donna yeah. on that. <laughs> That's um, funny. If it, doesn't show in the film. She said, I have made few friends, but they are athletes, not actresses. They have nothing on the house of extravaganza. I wish we could come to New York. <laughs> yeah. So funny. in Evansville, Indiana, where the racing games were played in the World Series at the end, Madonna was so rude to the citizens in the hotel and the restaurant staff and other locals that her reputation is still still tarnished there. <laughs> She's still banned. Her picture's like, on the wall. She apparently spoke poorly of the city in interviews as well, so it's just like... She's oh, like, man. fuck them. <laughs> That's really funny. So, Madonna, you're awesome in this film, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> her pal, Rosie O'Donnell, played Doris Murphy. It's uh, Rosie O'Donnell's first film role, she got her start in stand-up, but you couldn't tell that this was her first film. She's really good in it as well. Uh, I love Rosie O'Donnell as well. <laughs> like, Me too. I'm on such a kick right now. I'll always love her as Old Golly and Harriet the Spy. I think that's one of the best Nickelodeon films ever made. Fucking amazing. That's funny. And yeah. then also she did the Rosie O'Donnell talk show, which is it was always really fun. And it's even funnier now that uh, MJF, Here's another wrestling reference. Have you ever seen that video of MJF from AEW on Mac Maxwell Jacob Friedman? That's his shoot name. Yeah, yeah. On Rosie O'Donnell as a little boy. Like he's like eight years old, seven years old on Rosie O'Donnell show. 
talking about how he wants to be either a pro wrestler or an opera singer. <laughs> and he starts singing the one opera. In the same. It's fucking amazing. It's really good. And it's, it is. He starts singing opera while taking bumps. <laughs> <laughs> that clip got around when Maxwell Jacob Freeman started to like get a bit of popularity. Mm. And uh, yeah, like he denies it. He tries to act like it's not him, but it's for sure him. It's absolutely him. <laughs> That's really funny. No, I've not seen that. According to Rosie O'Donnell, her part was supposed to be much smaller than it was ultimately filmed, but because she readily understood director Penny Marshall's strong Bronx accent on set when others did not, Marshall would occasionally give her additional scenes to play. She was also <laughs> supposed to play another part. Basically, it was supposed to be like sort of a sex pot character, more like May, but they changed it to fit Rosie O'Donnell's personality. Uh, it turns out Rosie O'Donnell was also a very good ball player. Uh, she used to play as a child with her brothers and stuff, and I think she did Little League as well. And her and Lori Petty were just rivals because they were the two best players. So while they were shooting, they were always trying to see who could throw harder or further or who could hit better. Uh, and she actually did. She actually did learn how to throw two balls at the same time. Really? Yeah, she learned that from I think some of the actual players that were on set, like the former All American girls baseball players that were on set. Of course, I thought that's just like a trick. Yeah, no, that was legit. And uh, Rosie O'Donnell was pretty funny when they were filming. She always had the cast like and crew entertained. Uh, she would do comedy. She invited a comedian friend on set who stuck around for like ten weeks to help entertain as well. And she would perform Madonna songs basically until Madonna would get pissed. And then she would just do another Madonna song. <laughs> Apparently she just wasn't afraid of Madonna at all. Whereas maybe some of the other women were probably a bit like, yeah, I'm not going to mess with her. But Rosie O'Donnell just didn't give a fuck. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's exactly her character as well. Yeah. Cause she's not best friend. So she can say whatever she wants. Yeah, she's definitely. really funny and natural in the movie. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea. She just like a baseball. <laughs> Pitched for the very the first, first time. time. <laughs> like a baseball. <laughs> and Madonna's in the background like, yuck. Yuck. Sick. <laughs> Sick. Bad. <laughs> yeah. Fact. Double yuck. <laughs> Do it. I'll just do it. <laughs> Just yeah, oh, that's what it is. Yeah. He's just he's just channeling Madonna. That's what James Franco is doing. That. <laughs> yeah. right, so you had Megan Cavanaugh as Marla Hooch. What a ball player! <laughs> what a ball player! <laughs> oh man, I feel so bad for fucking Marla Hooch. Like that's what makes this film so fucking funny. It's just like the little fucking dumb things that's constantly going through it, like just the dumb jokes. Because Marla Hooch is just like. The one that's not pretty at all. So it's just like, <laughs> like all the jokes at her expense are just so ridiculous. Like, like when they're at the uh, the charm and beauty school sort of thing, having the makeovers, and like the woman's just going through the line, just going like, "Very nice, very nice, nice." Ooh, do something with those eyebrows, and then she gets to Marla, and then the woman's just like, "Oh, so what do you recommend?" And she's just like, "A lot of night games." <laughs> it's just like, "Fuck, dude." That's fucked up. Fuck. But uh, this is also Megan Cavanaugh's debut film role. And she would go on to do quite a bit of things throughout her career. But notably, a lot of people who are young might know her as the voice of Judy Neutron, Jimmy Neutron's mother, and Jimmy Neutron, boy genius. Ah, Jimmy Neutron. Yeah. 
big big voice role. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell actually went out for the role of Marla Hooch first as well, but Megan Cavanaugh came on and she was just like perfect for it. So that's when they decided to just write the whole role of Doris for Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, I was so happy that she got like a nice ending in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. we'll we'll find out a little bit more because this film actually was supposed to be a bit longer than it was. Uh, so some other cast members, we'll quickly run through them. Gary Marshall is Walter Harvey, you know, the guy who started the league. He came in mm-hmm. last minute as a favor to his sister, uh, Penny Marshall, after the original actor who was playing the role dropped out. You have Bill Pullman as Bob Henson. He's Dottie's husband. Uh, yeah, Paul Pullman showed up right at the end for no reason. <laughs> Bill fucking Pullman. Uh, yeah, I think he only did it as a favor to Penny Marshall. I'm not really sure what the favor, uh, you know, why. But anyway, it was a favor. Uh, and Cusack, the other Cusack, <laughs> you know, one of, one of the Cusack siblings. Uh, she plays the illiterate Shirley Baker. You have Tracy Reiner as Betty Spaghetti, uh, Penny Marshall's daughter, who uh, she was the daughter with P- Penny Marshall's first husband, but she was adopted by Rob Reiner, hence the name Reiner. Uh, she got the role in an actual tryout. Like she legitimately went to the tryout and it turned out that she surprised her mother because she placed in the top 20 in baseball skills with all the, the women. Cause she apparently was a really good softball player. So they were just like, all right, fine. Nepotism, but you earned it. <laughs> uh, we have Biddy Schramm as Evelyn Gardner, but the big thing with her, she's great. She's the one that uh, cries that Tom Hanks, you know, does a whole, there's no crying in baseball thing. She's a great character, but Particularly just really funny because of her son, Stillwell. <laughs> Stillwell, <gasps> Remember me? You're gonna lose. <laughs> You're gonna lose. Stillwell's hilarious. I think, like, that whole that whole thing's just really fucking funny. But it's even funnier when they show Stillwell as an adult. And it's Mark Halton, who is from fucking Teen Wolf and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. So it's just like, yes, yes. No, like, that's a dude <laughs> from fucking Teen Wolf. <laughs> All right, so we have some other people. It's uh, David uh, Stratharn as Ira Lowenstein. He's made quite a big, successful career of himself throughout the years. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have Pauline Brailsford as Miss Cuthbert, you know, the Rockford Chaperone. I particularly (laughs) find her very funny because as a kid, I always thought she looked like the lady from Wizard of Oz as well, and I always (laughs) appreciate that joke from Tom Hanks. And also, I think it's one of the funniest fucking scenes when the bus driver quits because Stillwell <laughs> and she goes out and she tries to stop him and he gets so angry that he just picks up a fucking handful of dirt and just throws it right in her face. <laughs> it's just like, fuck. <laughs> I don't know why that's so fucking funny. It's so fucking slapsticky. Yeah, it's, it's so dumb. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have a very young Taylor Leone as Racing Bell's first baseman. That blew my mind. You're right, so, yeah. yeah. I, I saw her at the beginning of the film, and I was like, oh, she looks familiar. And I've seen this film numerous times, but I just never noticed it before. And then I saw her playing in the final game, and I was just like, is that Taylor Leone? And then I saw it in the credits, and I was like, holy shit, it is her. So, cool. Cool, Spanglish. And last but not least, we got to talk about John Lovitz as Ernie Cappadino. <laughs> The scout. He's really funny. So funny. He was only like in it for a bit. Talked exclusively in like one liners. Yeah, absolutely. The part was written 
you know, exclusively for John Lovitz. And uh, basically he had more lines in the film, but it was cut down uh, to the most cutting and funny remarks because test audiences were eating it up. And in the scene where Dottie and Kit are seen milking cows, unbeknownst to Lovitz, one of the cows off screen was mooing really loudly, which caused him to ad lib the line, Will you shut up? Which is very funny. <laughs> but it was only afterwards that when they finished filming that scene that Lovitz found out that the cow was actually giving birth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> which is nuts. And afterwards... Uh, John Lovitz is a dick to cows. <laughs> <laughs> and afterwards, the farmer who owned the farm and the calf uh, named the calf Penny after Penny Marshall. <laughs> sweet this movie is like so unbearably wholesome yeah just a really nice world to be in absolutely yeah uh as i mentioned the women like they had to train really hard um before shooting and they were trying to make things seem as real as possible so they initially were practiced sliding using a slip and slide uh just to like slide into bases and stuff but that method was abandoned when both tracy reiner and megan cavanaugh suffered concussions we should probably stop <laughs> not one but two concussions <laughs> penny marshall also had the actresses play a lot of real games with multiple camera setups so that's how they got a lot of footage for the montages and stuff which i think that's fucking awesome it kind of reminds me back when yeah. we were talking about the godfather where coppola just like had a real party going on for the wedding scene. Yeah. And he just like went around guerrilla style shooting it. And uh, yeah, you can Best see how to do it. it looks so fucking cool. Like in this film, cause it just looks so legit. Uh, there's so many, like, I don't know. There's so many like baseball films and stuff where you can just tell they're just going through the motions of just shooting a pickup spot here or there. But like this one just like properly just has that, like flow where it's just like they were definitely just playing and actually makes baseball look a lot faster and more fun than it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baseball is a slow game. Sometimes they were going pretty hard. They weren't going easy when they were playing either. They were jamming their shoulders. They were spraining fingers. And we even saw Ann Ramsey who played Helen Haley, the first baseman for the Rockford peaches receive a broken nose after they switched from the modern baseball gloves that they were using during practice, they switched to the authentic 40s mitts. And she said that it was the first day with the old mitt, and it was like the fourth throw from a coach, and the ball slipped right through and just hit her right in the nose. Yeah. <laughs> she said her nose hasn't been the same since, but it was worth it. Uh, and then there's the giant strawberry bruise, like you mentioned a bit earlier, on like Alice on her leg from sliding into the base. That was a legit real injury. Uh, apparently, the actress Renee Coleman sustained that injury during filming, and it lasted well over a year. <laughs> yeah. Penny Marshall, I think, joked that she had it for like 10 years. So, <laughs> uh, When the Rockford Racing World Series game was being filmed at the end of the film, it was around 110 degrees outside. And... In this heat, the actresses wore the authentic uniforms that were mostly wool. And uh, to keep the extras entertained in the heat, Tom Hanks would perform puppet shows like over the dugout <laughs> for the audience. And this was also when Rosie O'Donnell would do co uh, comedy and also she would like get her friend to come out and do comedy or whatever for all the extras. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, also this is where Madonna would refuse to come out and sing. So Rosie O'Donnell would probably go out and sing Madonna songs just to mess with her. That's really funny. <laughs> 
Tom Hanks doing puppets. I, I can't believe you're going to leave that alone. Yeah, we're gonna. We're not going to touch it. We're going <laughs> to leave it alone. Okay. You creep. <laughs> uh, Scriptwriters. <laughs> Scriptwriters Babalu, Mandel, and Lowell Gantz took another idea or two from their own lives when they were writing the script. So Mandel said, my mother-in-law lived in Sherman Oaks, California at the time, and in her building was playwright Mill Simon's mother. One day, my wife and I were going to visit my wife's parents, and we ran into her, and she was with Neil Simon's brother, Danny, and she introduced him as, this is Neil Simon's brother. Which led to the line of Kit saying, you ever hear dad introduce us to people? This is our daughter, Dottie. And this is our other daughter, Dottie's sister. (laughs) (laughs) Great line. That's really funny. All right. So there's a brief scene where Dottie's ball ends up near the uh, small colored section of the segregated stadium, which this is an amazing scene. I'm glad they put it in. And there's an unnamed black woman that comes up, picks up the ball, and she throws it to. She's gonna throw. Well, Dottie's like, "I'll throw it to me," but she just throws it past her, and it yeah. just goes all the way to the pitcher. And Dottie's reaction just indicates that the, you know, basically it's just like, "Holy shit, she's got a powerful arm." Uh, yeah. And yeah, the whole thing they added it in because even after Jackie Robinson desegregated the Major League Baseball uh, in 1947. And like I said, this uh, league went on until like 1954. They never segregated like the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, which kind of sucks. And uh, so in a 2017 interview, the screenwriter Lowell Gant said it it did bother us in order to be historically accurate about the All-American Girls Baseball League that we couldn't have a diverse cast. So we came up with that scene as a way to make a point. And a lot of people have commented over the years and they were very glad that uh they included that in the film and i think it's really fun like a really fun scene and i always love like when people are just like on twitter and stuff Uh, i've seen this come up a few times like saying like oh imagine if (laughs) if like it just went off into like the woman picked up the ball and then it was just about like you know a really awesome group of black women who knew how to play baseball (laughs) just like a completely different story uh, the film was originally a lot longer, a lot longer, with the initial cut of the film clocking in around four hours before it cut down to the slender two hours and eight minutes that it is. Yeah. <laughs> so among some of the footage that was left on the cutting room floor were scenes depicting a growing romantic relationship between Jimmy and Dottie, which kind of kind of there. I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we can go ahead. I mean, it's hinted <laughs> at on the bus. There's it hinted at, and yeah. I don't know. It doesn't feel like anything cut out. Actually, yeah. the opposite. It feels like a, actually quite a welcome diversion of a movie trope, where yeah. like the main guy and the main girl who have you know chemistry end up together. But will she, they want they? Will they want they? <laughs> exactly. But she's very vocal about she had her husband who she's yeah. waiting for, and you're kind of expecting the thing. I mean, they do that thing where, I mean, at that. It's this really kind of tragic subplot where a lot of these women are wives and girlfriends of men of the seed, and they're all yeah. morbidly waiting for the letter to tell them that their yeah. partner had died. Absolutely. Um, and then the bit where Dottie thinks she's getting the letter, but the like next to her. Exactly, Which, and it's really I, I heartbreaking. I to mention that. I kind of um, I forgot to say that about Betty Spaghetti because it like it's such a shame because when 
Tom Hanks's character Jimmy Dugan comes in that first time I think to take the the really long piss. He just like <laughs> rips up her husband's baseball card, and she's oh yeah, like, like we just kind of <laughs> she's already like oh he's gonna kill me if anything happens to this card, and then he just like rips it up, and it's just like holy shit. Tom Hanks that issue, and then the letter comes to her, and it's just like oh fuck this woman's luck. But at least she ain't got to worry about him killing her with the baseball card. Yeah, exactly. He's never going to find out. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry. But yeah, no. That uh, that scene, though, there was a deleted scene, though, where they shared a kiss one night. I think Jimmy's watching her hit, or maybe he's hitting a little bit as well. And uh, Get back into it. Dottie basically just kind of talks about, like, you know, how much she loves baseball and stuff. And he compares her to, like, you know, great players like Ted Williams and stuff and saying that she rivals their greatness and stuff. And she's like, well, I love baseball. And then he just leans in for a passionate kiss. And that's actually what originally led to the scene of Dottie telling Lowenstein that she was going to go home. And then, you know, the whole thing about her getting traded and stuff. Um, Okay. But then there was also another scene. Dottie and Jimmy were arguing during the game about their relationship. And this is after Marla had gone off and went and got married and then she had come back. And I'm telling you, I don't know what's going on because this would have been, I don't know how long this film was supposed to cover, <laughs> like how much coverage it was supposed to be, like how many years it many was supposed time. to be uh, originally, because it seems like it covered some ground because at this point, Marla, for some reason, was playing on the racing bells alongside Kit and she was playing second base for the bells and mm-hmm. Dottie being angry, not realizing that Marla, who was hiding a pregnancy, was pregnant from her husband that she just married, slid into her really hard, causing this big miscarriage scare. No. And then all the no. other players were like piling on Dottie, basically saying that she would stop at nothing to win. And uh, that's the reason why Dottie was crying when Bob shows up, Bill Pullman's character. They just cut all that out. It's crazy how much they cut out and they just like, you know, just slimmed it down to like it being more about the sibling rivalry and Dottie just really upset and the whole argument with Kit and all that. So, yeah, and that really worked. I guess that's good. It's probably a better movie for being more focused on those two. And I'm surprised it actually worked with all that cut. Yeah. That's a completely different movie. If you kept all that in, I think it would change the tone quite a bit can it yeah. sort of it's quite a light movie it had like heavy moments but mm. yeah stuff like that <laughs> a bit much like yeah well i think yeah with tom hanks and gina davis it's like it's quite nice that they never really give in to those romantic sort of feeling and it's sort of this nice mature like platonic relationship yeah like because you're expecting doddy's husband to die and for her to hook up with tom hanks that, that like any other movie would have done that plot line. Yeah. But and I like the way this one goes instead. Yeah. I, I think it's because what really happened was that like the studio was pushing for this relationship. Obviously it's just like, Oh, well, you know, it's the two leads in the film, you know, they have to be, together. they have to be together. And there was so much tension and stuff anyway. And it just built up and all that. And, you know, I like Penny Marshall was sort of like not really wanting to do it. The studio's pushing for it, but then, there was a bit of a stir 
amongst some of the women who actually were consultants on the film who played for the actual American All-American Girls Baseball League who were there just kind of like, you know, I we don't agree with this. Like, you know, our husbands were at war and stuff and or like we knew other women like because not all of them like were married, but like we knew women who had husbands at war and it's just like you just wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. And mm. like it's a different time and it's just kind of I don't know. They just didn't like it and eventually they just decided to take it out. Which I think is way better that way. Like you said, it's mm-hmm. just like that would have been a completely different movie. Uh I think it, it makes more sense. It feels more realistic that they didn't get together. Cause like, you know, yeah. th- that's just like a thing that there's always that sort of thing of like men and women just having these like relationships as friends, but then there's always that sort of in the back of everyone's mind and probably even their own minds of like, Oh, is there some sort of tension here? You know, mm-hmm. like, will they want they, will they want they, but it's like, she's married and she's happily married and she decides yeah. to buck the trope and uh, <laughs> doesn't hook up with him. And that's fine. She, she bucked every trope in the character. I found, I, I really like Dottie. She's interesting. She's so naturally talented and doesn't want, doesn't want it. Doesn't really care. Like, love baseball, obviously, yeah. but doesn't really care. Doesn't have to play there. She's only there for a sister. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of blows up in her face. Absolutely. Um, but that's just a really interesting character trait that she's just like, you know what? I'm good to just go home and be with my husband. And I want to raise family. And it's just, it's so. It's interesting to have both because you have characters who are there to escape. They're like, you know, uh, life with like a homemaker and a housewife, you know, because there's more to life than that, obviously. And it's their chance to escape. And then there are people who want that. It's like this weird generational gap yeah. at that point. But you mm-hmm. get to, you just get to explore all kinds of people. Really, that's what makes the team so much fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. So the film score was done by Hans Zimmer. He's done everything. Pretty done legendary every man. Done everything. Uh, mm. I think it's got that perfect mix of amazing, like just being a really awesome score, and then wonderfully cheesy. Where it's just like, yeah. this is such a it's, dumb score. <laughs> like, it's always there. Yeah, it's like, it's got those moments. I'm probably playing some of it right now where that main theme is just so cheesy. Uh, but then it also featured Madonna. She co-wrote the theme song for the film called This Used to Be My Playground, which plays at the end of the film. And it's been stuck in my head for the last couple of days since I watched the film as well. Uh, basically, just see, like anytime I'm walking around my cat, I'm just replacing lines like, you know, Steve. This used to be Steve's playground. But that could have too. Or it's just like from the perspective of my cat looking at a box that my cat used to like to sit in and now she doesn't. It's just like this used to be my playground. This used to be my childhood dream. But now she's over it, you know? But anyway, Madonna was nominated for a Golden Globe Award for that song, so Cool. She got something out of it. Uh, Gina Davis was also nominated nominated for Golden Globe for her performance as well. Uh, and then 
the official song that's sung throughout the film, which I've also had a bit like stuck in my head today. But only whites. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real uh, song that was written by Pepper Pear Davis and Nada Bird Phillips. And that was the official mm. song. They still sing to this day anytime they're like getting together for some big reunions and stuff. The film was released in July 1st of 1992 and it grossed $13.2 million in its first weekend, finishing second behind Batman Returns. It ended up being a commercial success, making $107.5 million in the United States and an additional $24.9 million in other territories for a worldwide total of $132.4 million against a production budget of only $40 million. So it's pretty damn good. Uh, it was also critically acclaimed as well, and it's often regarded as one of the best baseball movies ever made mm-hmm. or maybe just one of the best sports movies of all time. It's... Uh, sure had multiple actresses who are in the film who said that they have had women and, and pro athletes come up to them and say that it inspired them to play sports and inspired them to go pro. So that's pretty sick. In 2012, a league of their own was selected for preservation in the United States national film registry by the library of Con- Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. And it was also its 20th anniversary that year. So they had a big celebration with the actual women from the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. There was a big like celebration with like a big softball game and a lot of them got, got together. I think they did it again and 25 years later had a bunch of the actresses around and stuff as well. Uh, and the movie also inspired a very short-lived TV show by the same name. It ran for one season in 1993, I think probably only three episodes. And although none of the marquee names from the movie were in it, but they did have Megan Cavanaugh and Tracy Reiner reprising the roles as Marla Hooch and Betty Spaghetti. And also Gary Marshall stayed on as Walter Harvey and even John Lovitz came back for one episode. Uh, but in some cool. good news, a brand new Amazon TV series has just properly yeah. been announced starring and co-created by Broad City's Abby Jacobson, which that's yeah, great. Sounds great. great. Uh, the show will also star Shante Adams and Darcy Carden from The Good Place. So I'm looking forward to this. Until period. Yeah, I think it's going to set be set like at the time. Okay. But the idea is it's going to follow new characters in a more diverse landscape. And follow a season. Yeah. That's cool. I'm really excited. So I don't know. I mean, like I, I get like where the uh, initial creators of the film came from, where they had to do basically it, it was just it was all white. That was the thing. That's the problem. But it's kind of cool that now that it's been done like that, that they can just kind of do it their own way and just a more diverse, you know, landscape, like, you know, that a lot of people would want to see instead. Uh, Jamie yeah. ba- Babbitt, who directed, but I'm a cheerleader in some of the Russian doll episodes directed the pilot. So that's pretty sick. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be pretty fun. Um, I really like 
Broad City. I just recently finished it. So Abby Jacobson's hilarious. And uh, I yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be gonna be fun. Baseball's coming back. This Baseball's is, coming is, back in all kinds of ways. <laughs> I'm gonna end it here with the great debate, Phil. So we want to know: Did Dottie really drop the ball? Biddy Schram, who plays Evelyn Gardner, Stillwell's mother, believes so. She said, I would say subconsciously, yes, because she knew how much more it would meant to Kit. And she was too good of a ball player. But when it comes to spilling that detail out, like Davis wasn't willing to play ball, she basically said, I'll say two things about that. Number one, I know the answer because it was me. Of course I know the answer. And number two, I'm not going to answer that question. And I never have and I never will. So. I don't know. Me and Julia were having this debate as well the other night when we were watching it. It was like, did she drop it? Did she let did she let Kit do it? That's a toughie because it can kind of be whatever you want and either work, either a tweet, either her sister wins. Yeah. Like, you know, for real, or she let her sister win. I don't know. I think Julia said that she thought that uh, that Dottie did it on purpose. You know, I think she did drop it. Yeah. I think she dropped it because Kit fucking steamrolled her. She came in yeah. fucking angry. It was just that, like, she I think that's what makes me. this fucking film so fucking awesome. The ending is so good. <laughs> because really every good. film like this, you always have, it's such a trope in baseball films or sports films in general that, like, for the most part, the team you're rooting for ends up winning. And that's sort of the whole point of the feel good baseball story. But this one did it really nice where it's like, now I have a reason to cheer for the other team because it's like a character that you've really liked for the ent- entire film gets put onto that other team. And now they're against each other. It's kind of like in mighty ducks. They did that. It was like D three where Adam Banks gets put onto the other team and they're like, what? Is, is that, is that like? Yeah. Am I remembering well, no, that correctly? No, can I, well, Bank starts on the rival team. And yeah, then he, he does. Gets but then drafted he, to the Ducks. Yeah, in the first movie, does he not like get picked up by uh, a bigger like uh, the the varsity team or something? Because oh, D three. Yeah, because he's like better. He's better or something. And I think you're changes. right. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of that it's, it's such a like because you want to cheer for that character, but this is a little bit different because it's like you really like Kit a lot and you, you can understand, you can feel that tension, especially I, I'm a younger sibling. So I was always like getting picked on by my, my sister and stuff. So it was sort of like you, you get, you could get that fucking fire. I think she steamrolled her. I think she, I've, she wanted it so bad. She knocked it out of her hand and maybe there was some like sub, subconsciously like, you know, Dottie just knowing and she just like gave up a little, but I don't know. It's a hard one. I, I, yeah. I like I like your version of it. I think the reason why I say this as well is because if Dottie like if Dottie wanted to give Kit that moment, she wouldn't have gone up to the pitcher and said, "Hey, throw her high high fastballs." She can't hit them and she can't lay off of them, and she wouldn't do that. I like the high one. You know, like she knows her sister can't can't resist. You're right, and she finally fucking got one. one. And then also she yeah. was supposed to stop at third base. She was getting the fucking stop sign at third base, but she didn't stop. She just kept running around. And that's very okay. dangerous for an inside the park home run. Yeah. 
which is really rare to do because it's like you got to be fast and that ball's got to be really far away. So, (laughs) Jesus. Oh, I I, I like, I think you've convinced me a little bit. I think, yeah. Just with that last line, because I forgot about that. It's very clear that she's trying to win. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think Kit is just a better player there. And that, but that, it's just a better ending. But again, like you said, I like that ambiguous. Um, but yeah, you again, it comes down to it. And like, even if you don't understand baseball, they just give you enough to know what's happening. Yeah. Like, they just need this point. But like, at that point, you realize again that you're not really watching a film about baseball. You're watching <laughs> a film about two sisters, and it's between them two. And you're like, you've grown with them throughout the movie, and you love both of them. And it's a really, it's just such a fun thing to watch play out. Uh, yeah, I think Kit just fucking team off the shit out. <laughs> Forced that ball out. Forced that drop ball. <laughs> yeah, it's a good scene, man. I, I love this film. That's us wrapping up with it. We'll leave you with that. Like, you can let us know what you think. Hit us up at the PCC podcast, or you can send us an email at podcast at princecharlescinema.com. You can let us know. Did uh, Dolly drop the ball? Well, of course she dropped the ball, but did she, did she mean to? Or was it knocked out of her hand because of pure force of anger of a scorned sister. <laughs> uh, let us know. Phil, that's us wrapping up. Overall, we've sort of talked about this for a while. Great film. Mm. What's your final thoughts closing down? And let us know where people can find you. I would I would really recommend this movie. I hope I, it's just really, it's really fun. Like, it was honestly, such a nice surprise watching it. And like, just us talking about it, all these things came back and there's so much to it. There's so many layers to it. Even if it doesn't get to explore everything it wants to, it opens up this world. That's why I like the, sh- the show is such a great idea yeah. because there's so many stories you can tell um, within that world, but amazing cast and really funny, really sweet, really actually quite bad in some places. Absolutely. And just great to watch, like beyond just, it's a great sports movie. It's one of the better ones for sure. And I love, I'm not a big sports guy, but I love sports movies or sports-themed episodes of things, like of Simpsons or whatever. Um, but League of Their Own is easily one of, one of the better ones. At the very least, one of the best baseball ones. But obviously good enough to transcend that. It's just really fun, really empowering, really, like, well done. aged very well, which is nice, by its restrictions. And it's just women kicking up. It's a great yeah. watch. Um, if, you know, if you like, whether you like baseball or not, watch it. It's fucking great. It's a really good time. Yeah, absolutely. It's in a league of its own. Yeah. Until next week, people can find me, you know, at, uh, at, on Twitter, at FarawayFad, on Instagram, at met, And that's dog, you know, D-O-G-Z-Z underscore I underscore M E T that again. I feel like I'm not getting, I'm not like pushing that enough. It's a very funny page. Yeah. It's just a lot of and, dog uh, pictures. You know, <laughs> well, that's one way to put it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you know, if people like dogs, that's definitely where they should be going. Um, <laughs> number one dog account on Instagram. Yeah. Number one. <laughs> I'm just waiting for that blue tick, and you know, yeah, I'm ready. I think um, I'm ready for it. You, you go, you go. Where, where do people find John? Yeah, 
Well, I'll go ahead and say, like, wrapping up uh, about the film, I think it's, like you said, it's great. Anyone who doesn't like baseball should watch it because, like like you said, like we've been saying, it's not really about baseball in general. It's, like, about, about like, you know, this incredible sister, like, it's about sisterhood, a relationship between siblings. Like, I think it's relatable to anybody. And I also think that, I think that women should be allowed to play fucking baseball with men still to this day. Like they should be playing Damn right. because uh, I see some fucking videos coming up on Twitter every so often. And like these women just taking massive hacks and just blasting balls like further than I've ever seen any man blast one. And I think like baseball's one of those <laughs> weird games where baseball's like one of those games where it's not very, there's not a lot of contact. And I think that's where baseball gets a bit of a bad reputation this day and age where people are fucking loving like just brutalism of football or something. Yeah. You know, like, they love, like contact sports and stuff. And baseball's not really like that. And I think that to that advantage, like for women, like they can join in, they can be just as fast as men sometimes. They can throw just as hard or just as far or hit as far. And I, I know there's a lot of fucking assholes on Twitter and stuff that won't fucking agree with that. They will like be out there like, you know, just saying, oh, well, you know, she's using a softball. And it's like, dude, it's harder to. Well, just, softball. you know, physically like, speaking, you know, or actually, <laughs> speaking, yeah. they're not as gifted as a man. But no, fuck off. Like, they, I've they seen. They just don't want to lose to a girl. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I've seen some women fucking jackson balls out of ballpark so i i want to see it i don't get it i really don't get it out of any of the sports and also even if you don't want them to play with the men why isn't there like a professional women's baseball play uh game today you've got all I was the about other to ask sports. you i don't get it they're not a modern league why not really there's like there's like softball but it's it's kind of like a weird like lower thing it's like basically girls can only go so far they can basically play like softball in college and maybe there's some weird leagues and stuff that are around that are like mm. so low, but I don't get it. Like why can't they, why isn't there a big pro baseball women's league? I'd watch it. If it was like, you know, badass, I'd be down. People would definitely it. watch it. Yeah. Like they do that stupid fucking like argument over like nobody will watch it. Cause you never show it. You never yeah. fucking like put the <laughs> shit on TV. Anyway, <laughs> I like this film. I think it's great. Watch it. Baseball movies are the best of all sports movies, in my opinion, as well. Let me know if you agree, if you think there's another sport that has some better movies. I disagree, but you know, <laughs> you can let me know which ones you like. If you have a preference of sport films, let me know. You can find me at Tall for All, T-A-L, the number four, A-L-L, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can uh, pop us an email at podcast at Prince Charles Cinema or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at the PCC Podcast. Give us a shout. Say hi. We'll read your stuff out if uh, it's not too personal. If it's personal and stuff, we'll leave it alone. We'll maybe say a good thank you or something. But, you know, anyway, hit us up. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, that's us wrapping up here. We've been going for a long time about a baseball movie and getting a little bit <laughs> Uh, we- weird at the beginning so I don't know what's going to happen with this episode <laughs> weird's good weird's yeah. good weird's good we're getting weird again guys I don't know where this is taking us but next week it's going to be even weirder <laughs> yeah we're going off next yeah. week and, next you week know. we're going off yeah 
anyway, going to be a loop. If you've been paying attention, you can probably guess what we're doing. I mean, not really. We didn't mention it. No, not really. But uh, no, we didn't. Let's just say there is someone that we talked about today that will be there next week. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 All right, everyone. This is us signing off. Love you guys. See you later. Uh, There's no crying in baseball, but there's a lot of crying (laughs) in this movie about baseball. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of crying in real life. Bye. (laughs) Bye.